If you could see what I once was, if you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you could see the miracle of that took me in his sweet embrace and made me what I am today a sinner saved by grace could see what I once was, if you can go with me back to where I started from, then I know you could see the miracle of love that took me in his sweet embrace and made me what I am today, a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a of anything I've ever seen and done. How could I fare to claim as mine the victories God has won? Where would I be had God not brought me gently to this place? I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner. Oh, 
know that we'll stay here long, but Revelation 19 is, uh, that's the message the Lord had placed on our heart for this hour this morning, and I got back to the house and got to looking, and I felt like, I know the Lord uh, didn't let me preach that this morning, and, uh, but we're going to see what the Lord has tonight, I'm going to read it, and if we go a different direction, it'll be all right, I'm just going to try to follow and mind the Lord tonight. I understand, and this is the way it is in every service, by the way, we'll never be, now get, now get this, We'll never be assembled quite like we are tonight, Brother Harold. There'll never be another whatever today is today, the 9th of September? Se- 10th, September 10th, 2023, about 624. Somebody said when we went out, they said, oh, man, we got out before 12 o'clock. It's probably going to be 8 tonight uh, before we get out. Honestly, Sarah, not just one. We had multiple people make that statement uh, on the way out. Uh, so I know you're not accustomed to getting out on that early. But we'll never be assembled quite like we are tonight, ever, ever again. And I do believe this. God puts messages on our hearts for some reason. It may just be for one person, but it's for somebody. It may be for multiple people. It may just be for me. But God's got something for somebody. I do believe this. If we seek something, you came seeking, God will help you. And hey, I even got news for you. You may have come not even seeking nothing. And I'm glad God the Holy Ghost can deal with your heart through the preaching of God's Word. It, it's happened more than once. It might happen tonight. I have no idea. Above all, if you're here tonight and you do not know Jesus, boy, there's no better time. Listen to me now. There's no better time than tonight to give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the way did it preach, it ain't Sunday morning. It don't matter. It ain't Saturday, it ain't ain't Wednesday, it ain't Monday. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. God deals with your heart. This is the very hour you need to trust Christ. But I want you to notice, preacher, why should I do that? Well, there's something that's coming on the horizon one day. I've heard it preached, and I've I've believed it since I was a little fellow and I got saved. I believed that Jesus was going to come again. But friend, I just want to tell you, he still ain't changed his mind. He's going to come in an hour in which we... Think not. It could come this very evening. It could be another hundred years. It could be another thousand years. And nobody knows, by the way, those that try to predict and say, well, he's coming in 2024, 2026. No, we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means he could return at any moment. Now, what we're looking at tonight is the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And I'll explain a little more in greater detail. I don't know how deep I'll get into this tonight, but I, I want to be sensitive to the Lord. I want you, if you would stand with us tonight, I honor reverence to the reading of the Word of God. Revelation chapter 19. And of course, there's getting ready to talk about the things are coming to pass, and we're getting close to the end of the Bible. By the time you get to Revelation 19, and then of course, chapter 20. Six times you'll read about a thousand years. We call that the millennial reign of Christ. And a lot of folks say, well, I don't believe in the millennial reign of Christ because millennial is not found in our Bible. I get that. Millennium is not there. But it talks about a thousand year reign of Christ. Six times in Revelation 20 alone. Well, why do we call it a millennial? It comes from the Latin word that we get uh, from the thousand years. So that's why we call it the millennial. You can call it the millennial. You can call it the thousand year reign of Christ. I don't really care what you call it. There's going to be a thousand year reign of Christ according to the Bible when Jesus comes at his second coming. Now, I want you to notice here we have it described in Revelation 19. Now, keep in mind, the Apostle John has been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. It is a Roman penal colony 
Here he is on this island, isolated with murderers, with robbers, with crooks of all, all shapes, sizes, and forms. He's placed there simply for preaching the Word of God. Now, here he is basically in a prison, isolated on an island. But, boy, God reminded him, even though he was in prison on that island and he was isolated, God still wasn't done with him because he's getting ready to get the revelation. And the revelation is the unveiling of the Lord Jesus. That's what the book of Revelation about it's not about a people it's about a person the Lord Jesus Christ it's not necessarily about a kingdom it's about a king and that is none other than King Lord Jesus Christ and he's given this revelation and he sees the Lord Jesus returning in Revelation 19 and as we read this this is still yet future to 2023 the Bible said in verse 11 and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Notice in your Bible those two words are capitalized, faithful and true, because that is a description of the attributes and the characteristics of none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture, I like this, and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Now let's pray. Father, as we bow God again tonight, we're reminded and we're humble that we're just sinners saved by grace. Thank you, Lord, for that good hour. You reached down that hand further than I could ever reach up. I thank you for the plan of salvation. Thank you for saving others that are in this building. Lord, if there's one here tonight, never been born again, never trusted Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd arrest that heart. God, deal with them as only you can. I pray for the next few minutes, God, that conviction would fall in this place. Lord, I I pray that you'd help us to see the necessity of preaching on the second coming, the coming of Christ. Lord, we know you're going to return. I pray that every person... would leave here in a ready position. Lord, I pray there's not one that will walk out of here unsaved and lost and undone without you. But God, I ask, Lord, that you'd have the preeminence. Have you willing to help this preacher to decrease that Jesus may be increased and lifted up. We're going to thank you right now for what you do for us these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated tonight. We have read here in this passage out of the Word of God, here in Revelation chapter number 19, about the second advent or the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you could go back and look at just, and I'm going to give you a little bit of informational stuff, then we'll preach, but get this now. When it comes to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, it, there is several phases that are involved when we say the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to try my best to break that down for just a few moments tonight. But did you know that 1,000... 527 times in the Old Testament alone the verses that deal with the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 1,000 
527, Brother Harold, point to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm preaching tonight is not a new doctrine. Thank God it's an old doctrine that's been preached for years. There's been a many people that have walked the aisle. There's been a many people that have gave their heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ because they heard a message thundered down from heaven straight from the page of the Word of God that Jesus was soon going to return and men and women fell under conviction because they're seeing understanding that they wasn't ready to meet a thrice holy God and they bowed in, in faith and repentance and called on the name of the Lord and God saved their soul because of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ it is a reality friend you cannot change that it's a reality he is still going to return some folks say well uh, brother how we've heard that ever since we were children be preachers uh, pounding the pulpit and, and saying Jesus is going to return but Jesus ain't returned yet preacher no he hadn't but I'm going to tell you one more time he still ain't changed his mind he's going to return in an hour when you and I think not he's going to come as a thief in the night he's not going to be a thief but as a thief comes you don't know there's the unexpectancy to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ but 1,527 times there's a reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ approximately 8,000 verses are found in the New Testament And 330, or about one out of every 25 verses, directly refer to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd say that's an important, pretty important doctrine found in the Bible. There's a lot of folks that will pull out one verse out of all of our 66 books in the canon of Scripture. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. They'll pull out one verse and they'll build doctrine on that. That's dangerous, by the way. But when you go from Genesis to Revelation, you combine it all together. And you rightly divide the Word of God. And you realize that one out of every 25 verses directly refer to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You and I ought to pay attention to what God says. Think about this, for every time the first coming uh, is mentioned, talking about his birth, every time uh, that is mentioned uh, in, in the Bible, the second coming is mentioned eight times. So if you see, hey, it talks about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as, a, as in, in his birth, eight more times you'll see a reference to the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself refers to his own coming 21 times, and over 50 times we're exhorted to be ready for that great day. Now, if he tells us 50 times, he wants us to get it. Sort of like this. Remember, I I told you all not too long ago, it's been several years ago now, but Garrett had a bad habit of trying his best to to park behind his mama. We got enough room to park 20 vehicles in our driveway. And he kept parking right behind his mom, and I kept hearing Christy having to fuss at So I'd tell him, and I'd tell him, and I'd tell him. And finally, I said, listen, next time you do it, I'm going to take your keys. Not one time has he ever parked back behind our brother Danny. But I put some laws to that, you know. I put some teeth to, to, to what I asked him to do. But, you know, sometimes when somebody tells you over and over and over and over again, it's important. Amen. Fifty times the Lord said he's coming. In the Word of God, that means you and I better pay attention. And needless to say, the second coming of Jesus Christ is a major doctrine throughout the Scripture. And when you think about this, we talk about the second coming. 
The second coming is broken down into several phases. Now, the next thing on God's counter is what we refer to as the rapture of the church. Again, somebody's going to say, well, now, preacher, we don't. And I've had people say, we don't believe in the rapture because rapture is not found in the Bible. Okay, I get that. Well, where does rapture come from? It comes from the rapture from the Latin word rapturo, which simply means in our King James Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 16, called up. You can call it the catching away. You can call it the snatching away. I prefer to call it the rapture of the church one of these days. And that's the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. Jesus is coming for his church. And we're going to be left, we're going to leave out of here one day by the grace of God when Jesus comes in the clouds to get his church. Now, soon, very soon thereafter, the seven-year tribulation will begin right after the church is taken away. Now, we don't know exactly how long that is going to be, but I know this. You can turn back if you want to the book of Daniel, and we understand by the Scripture. Now, this is going to be deep for just a second. You bear with me, and we'll, we'll get in some bean and tater preaching, I hope. But in Daniel chapter number 9, and in verse number 24, the Bible said, Seventy weeks were determined upon thy people. Now, who's thy people? That's none other than Israel. So, seventy weeks were determined upon Israel. Now, what's that got to do with anything? You, you can't understand the tribulation. You can't understand a prophecy. You, you can't understand Revelation without having Daniel. You can't understand Daniel without having the book of Revelation. Those 70 weeks, what are they? Well, if you go to verse number 1 of Daniel 9, he's talking about years. And then he refers to weeks. That is the same Hebrew word, which is Shabuah, which means seven. Now, you get into a calculation here, and I know a lot of folks don't like math. I get it. But set, think about 70 times seven. Literally, that's what was determined upon thy people Israel. 70 times seven is 490 years. Now, you go on down. He talks about from verse number 24 on down to verse number 27 how 483 or 69 weeks have been fulfilled but there's one week that is left that one week represents seven years that's when this tribulation is going to take place now a lot of folks and I'll be honest with you and I've said this preaching from this pulpit to several years ago I finally figured out as I've been studying my Bible I always thought man when the church is raptured out of here instantaneously uh, the tribulation was going to be set up. But that, that, that's not so. The tribulation starts at the signing of the decree of the Antichrist. How do you know? Well, in Daniel chapter number 9, in verse number 27, I don't know how long it's going to be when the church is raptured out of here and when he signs that treaty. But the Bible said in Daniel 9, verse 27, and he, that he there, personal pronoun, is none other than the Antichrist. Now, you could go to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. It talk, He's called the man of sin. Sometimes he's called the, 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 the king of fierce countenance. And so many names, the son of perdition. There's so many names that are given under the Antichrist but the Bible talks about these 483 years again 70 weeks were determined or in other words 490 years were determined. 483 have been fulfilled and we see and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week that's those seven years and in the midst of the week or in other words, three and a half year point of the tribulation period. If you look at Revelation, it all goes together. 
He shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease, and for the overshadowing of abomination, overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. You say, preacher, that's a mouthful. That's a lot to take in, and I get it. We, it's hard to retain that. Just think about it this way. 490 years or 70 weeks were determined upon Israel. Up to this point, 2023, 483 years have been fulfilled, but there's one week that's left. And that tribulation is going to take place when, when the Antichrist signs that peace agreement with Israel. At the midway point of that, he's going to break that, that covenant, and he's going to demand worship. That's what Satan has always desired to have anyways, is to, he's desired worship. Now keep in mind, when Jesus gets his church, we're going to be with him. Now, now get this. I remember going through preaching through prophecy in the book of Revelation. Brother Flake Johnson, I never will forget him too. He said, Preacher, you know, I, I really didn't get all that. I'd be, the first, I, I'd be the first to tell you that I didn't. But he said, the one thing that I really hung on is this. He said, man, I ain't going to be here. I ain't going to, you know, I don't understand all those 483 and, and that one week. But he said, boy, I did, I did grip that. When you said that Jesus coming, he's going to take us out of here. Thank God I don't have to go through the tribulation. You don't have to go through the tribulation. Just read the word of God. We're not appointed under wrath, thank God, but to obtain mercy by our Lord Jesus Christ. Just read First Thessalonians chapter number 5, but verse number 8. That's exactly what the Lord says. We're not to obtain, we're, we're, we don't have to worry about that wrath coming to us. Why? He's going to rescue us. A lot of folks say, well, you know, the church has got to go through the tribulation period. No, they don't. Mm -mm. You better read your Bible multiple places. Ephesians chapter number 5. The Bible said in Ephesians 5, what he says, he said, husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. Listen now. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy. <laughs> now, we're going through the tribulation, man. That means God's going to present us black and blue. I think not. Amen. He's going to present us wrinkleless. You spend all, ladies, you spend all that money on that wrinkle cream, man. You all throw that away. If you say, by the grace of God, God's going to take every one of those wrinkles away from you. I believe what the Bible said. And thank God he's going to present us spotless unto the Lord one day. But there's a great difference between the second coming and the rapture of the church. See, the rapture of the church takes place. The church is out of here. Then right after, according to Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, that Antichrist is going to sign that peace agreement, going to usher in that seven-year tribulation. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, Jesus is coming back to planet Earth. That's the second coming. Now, although it's broken down in phases, what I just read to you in Revelation chapter number 19 has to do with the second coming of Christ when he comes back to the earth. There's a great difference between the second coming and the rapture. To break it down, we could break it down this way. The rapture involves the removal of all believers. The second coming involves the appearing of the Son. We just read about there, Revelation chapter number 19, faithful and true. He's coming, man, on a milky white stallion. How we do? We just read it in our Bible there in Revelation chapter number 19. Think about this. At the rapture, saints will be caught up in the air. At the second coming, Jesus returns to the earth. At the rapture, he claims his bride, which is the church. At the second coming, he returns 
with his bride. We think about this. At, at the rapture, it sort of ushers in the beginning of the tribulation because I think closely thereafter will be when that peace treaty is going to be signed by the Antichrist. But when Jesus comes again at the second coming, it's going to usher in the millennial, the thousand-year reign of Christ. Again, you go on, Revelation chapter number 26 times, you'll find a reference to the thousand-year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of folks say, man, uh, where are we going to be? All I know is the Bible said we're going to rule and we're going to reign with him. Yeah, man, that's all I can tell you. Think about this. We, at the rapture, we believe in the imminent return without warning. But the second coming will be preceded by a multitude of signs. You go to Matthew chapter number 24. I've heard, I've heard men preach that out of ignorance. I get that. I understand. I probably did it myself early on. But Matthew 24 is a reference to the second coming where the moon turns to blood. Friend, we don't have to look for the moon to turn to blood. We don't have to worry about all these famines and pestilences and war. We just need to be looking up for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because one of these days, we're going to leave out here at the rapture. But after at the end of that tribulation, there's going to be a multitude of signs that were laid out in Matthew 24, which will usher in the second coming that we read about in Revelation 19 to planet Earth. Think about this. The rapture brings a message of comfort. We look in our world, you say, man, there's chaos, there's confusion, there's problems, there's trouble, there's sin, there's heartache, there's disappointments, there's difficulty, there's problems on every hand, everywhere you look, there's trouble. Listen, I got a good message tonight, and it's simply this, one of these days, Brother Danny, the Lord's a coming. There ain't going to be no more fungal diseases in your, in your lungs, there ain't going to be no more cancer, there ain't going to be no more tumors, there ain't going to be no more diabetes, there ain't going to be no more broke arms and broke legs and messed up shoulders and all kind of issues. There ain't going to be no more sin. Man, when the Lord Jesus comes, and if you ain't ready, you ought to get ready. You say, Preacher, I don't understand a lot of this, but if you're lost in your sin, you'll be left behind. And if you've heard the Word of God, you heard the Gospel message, and God dealt with your heart, and you said no, you just read your Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter number 2, the Bible said if you didn't receive the truth, you'll be damned. That's what the Bible said. Now, the devil ain't going to send you a strong delusion. God will send you a strong delusion that you'll believe a lie. You say, preacher, I've heard the gospel, but I ain't moved. You know, God dealt with my heart, and I didn't get saved. If the church raptured out here, you got zero chance of getting saved. Zero. You say, preacher, I don't like that kind of preaching. It is what it is. I ain't trying to, trying to make, you, make you move to make a decision, but you better make a decision because that's factual. If you've heard and you've rejected you say, well, I'll get saved one time. See, here's what the devil will do. The devil will never say don't get saved. He'll just say don't get saved today. <laughs> He'll never say don't get saved. He'll say you got plenty of time just kick that candle down the road. But if you ain't saved, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You better get saved today because when the church leaves out of here, this ain't some fairy tale. This ain't some game. This is actuality. This is truth. It's going to happen one day. It ought to scare the fire out of a lost man or a lost woman if you're lost and done without God. But the rapture brings a message of comfort, but the second coming brings a message of judgment. Now, if the rapture it involves the program of the church, the second coming involves the program of Israel. In the rapture, it's a mystery in the Old Testament, but the second coming is predicted in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. 
At the rapture during those years when tribulation's here on planet Earth, what are we going to be doing? Well, believers are judged for their works. Most multiple passages talk about that. Second coming, Gentiles and Israel will be judged for sin when Jesus comes back at his second coming. At the rapture, he leaves creation unchanged. I mean, we're going to be raptured up unto him. But when he comes at the second coming, oh yeah, uh, all a cha- uh, creation will be changed with those earthquakes and all those things that, that's going to unfold, Matthew chapter number 24. Think about this, at the rapture, Israel's covenants are unfulfilled. But at the second coming, all Israel's covenants will be fulfilled when the Prince of Peace returns. A lot of folks say, well, listen, the Bible said we ought to pray for peace in Jerusalem. That's good, I get it. It's a command that God said to do. But there'll never be peace down here until the Prince of Peace returns. You might as well say amen right there. Notice as we go on, we think about this and, and, and the rapture. We, we think we know it takes place before the day of wrath, which is a reference to the tribulation. The second coming follows the day of wrath. At the rapture, only believers will be affected. But at the second coming, it will affect the whole world. And at the rapture, believers will be in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lord. But the second coming, Israel will be taken into the kingdom that they were promised. You see, me as a, as a church-age believer, God didn't promise me any land, Brother Harold. He promised me a mansion. Thank God. He said, let not John 14, 1. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. How do I know mansions are over there? Well, if there wasn't any mansions over there, he would have told us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Don't you miss that point? I say it often, but you better get it again tonight. He said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. What does that mean? Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. You ain't going to get in there on the coattail of somebody else. Your mama, your daddy, your grandma, your grandpa, your last name. You're, listen, I don't know what your occupation is. Don't know where you live. Don't know what you drive. Don't know how many times you've been baptized in a pond, a creek, or a river. But if you ain't never been born again, friend, oh, listen, you need to be saved. Boy, I think about this. Believers will be in the presence of the Lord. Israel will be taken into the kingdom. Heaven's a prepared place for prepared people. You better make preparations. And I think about the rapture, only believers will see Jesus. But according to the Word of God at the second coming, every eye will behold Him. Rapture, we could put it this way. The rapture happens privately. Second coming will be public again. The Bible said every eye shall behold Him. The rapture, it will be secret, secretly. Second coming, the Lord Jesus is going to be in a spotlight. Right again on that white stadium we just read about in Revelation 19. The rapture is a mystery. But the second coming, he is described in majesty and splendor. The rapture, he comes with a shout. Second coming, he comes with a sharp sword. We just read about it. At the rapture, he comes to evacuate the church. The second coming, he comes to eliminate his enemies. At the rapture, he comes to remove. But at the second coming, he comes to rule with a rod of iron. We just read about that a moment ago. It won't be a hostile takeover. But it'll be a holy takeover. You can rest assured of that. It won't be hostile, but it'll be holy. Now, I want you to think about this just a minute. I, I'm not even going to get into I got a I got two pages tonight that I was going to give you, but I'm going to try to gear down right here. I'm just going to give you a little bean and tater preaching. I'll give you a lot to chew on. Those 490 years, 483 fulfilled. We get that last week. It's going to be there in Daniel chapter 9, verse number 27. Get all that. But I want you to get there is a distinction 
between the rapture and the second coming. I want to deal just for a minute with the rapture of the church. We preach about it often. We tell and we warn folks about the imminent return of Christ. Well, you'll find, and you can turn if you want to the First Thessalonians chapter number 4, it lays out the next thing on God's prophetic calendar. You've heard me preach this. You've heard me say this numerous times. I'm going to say it again tonight, and we're going to the house. But please get this, because this is the next thing that God is going to do for his people. Now you think about it. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 16 is pretty clear. I mean it's crystal clear. The Bible doesn't say well you know we're, uh, it's going to be a, an Ezekiel reincarnated. No it don't talk about that at all. The Bible said in First Thessalonians 4 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel which ark is a is a military term. And by the way there's only one archangel that's mentioned in the Bible. And that is none other than Michael. You'll find him in the book of Jude. You'll find him in Daniel chapter number 12. And another passage over there in the book of Daniel. It talks about Michael. And Michael, everywhere he is, he's always, Brother Dobie, standing up for God's people. Now, Michael the archangel is the one that I believe is going to sound that trumpet. Now, a lot of folks say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't really say that, that there's a trumpet. Well, no, wait a minute. The Bible said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. Who's that archangel? I believe it's Michael. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Ain't that what it says? Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's that Latin word, rapturo. That we get the word rapture. Shall be caught up together with them, which is plural. I'm going to explain all that here in just a minute. With them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he said in verse 18, Wherefore comfort one another with these words. Now, why would there be comfort to the rapture of the church? Well, we're leaving out here, man. You ought to be excited about leaving out here. Choir just son this morning, I just passed by. A lot of folks say, man, I got a lot of stuff I want to do. Well, I do too. But I'd be just as happy tonight if the Lord comes back. It's sure I want to see other people get saved. If you're here tonight and you're not saved, I want to see you give your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. But when he comes, man, I ain't going to be taking an airplane ride. I'm going to take a plane air ride out of here one day. In that text, you'll find there's going to be a return of the Lord Jesus. For the Lord himself. Gideon ain't going to send a messenger. Ain't going to send a prophet. Ain't going to send a priest. Ain't going to send a preacher. The Bible. The Bible said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, with a trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. There's the resurrection. You see the return. Then you see the resurrection. Well, who's that? The dead in Christ. Who's that? Well, there's many that we planted. And I like using the word planting out here in the graveyard or some memorial field somewhere. Yeah, those old bodies went back to the dust from where they were created. But I'm still glad 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 8 is in the Bible. Oh, yeah. And where he talks about to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. God ain't done with those bodies. Hey, I got plenty of old saints and a lot of good friends that I, I preached a funeral of and, and they're no longer with us. But I'm going to see them one day. Thank God if they knew Christ and I know Christ, there's going to be a great day. But the dead in Christ are going to rise first. There's a the resurrection. But then you got the rapture. Said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, see, he deals with those that are alive. We which are alive and remain shall be called up. There's the rapture. Latin word, rapturo. Called up together with them. 
You see, there's the, you got the return, you got the resurrection of the dead in Christ, you got the rapture of those of us that alive remain, but then there's a reunion. Do you catch what the Bible said? Caught up together with them. That's plural. Who's them? He just told us who that was. That's the dead in Christ. Well, we're going to meet the dead in Christ, Brother Randy, in the air. Read your Bible. To meet the Lord in the air. <laughs> and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then there's rejoicing. Because he said there in verse number 18, where he talks that, that last phrase that he, that he said there, we ought to rejoice. And we should rejoice. Thank God that, that the Lord is going to return one day. Now, here's a good thing for the child of God. And it does. It makes some people uneasy when we talk about the coming of Christ, about the rapture of the church. It makes folks uneasy. But it shouldn't make you uneasy. Fifty times in the Word of God, He compels us to be ready. You don't have to dread the coming of Christ. Even in 1 John, it talks about us not being ashamed at His coming. The ladies sing that song, He's Coming. And it talks about us not being ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed at His coming. Why do we, why do we preach and proclaim, man, you better live right. You better stay close to God. Well, I'm not going to judge you, but there's a God in heaven that's going to judge you. There's a phrase over there, I believe it's in chapter number 20 in, in Revelation. i got to read that. I want you to get this. I just thought about it. Revelation chapter number 20. I believe it is. It might be 21. Actually, it's 22. Revelation 22, get this. Verse 11. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Why, why does it say that? Well, at that point when Jesus returns, <laughs> decision-making's over. That's why you got right now. I said at the beginning of this service, we'll never be assembled quite like we are right now. See, preacher, I don't get all this prophecy stuff. I don't get all this about the coming of Christ. Well, you need to understand this. Many, many years ago, over 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus. Left the splendors of heaven. Came down here to suffer, bleed, and die. That's the only reason. He, he didn't come just to be a prophet, although he was. He didn't come just to be a priest, although he was. He didn't come just to be a pattern, although he was. He came to give his life so you and I could be saved. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He come to make a way so you and I can be saved from sin. But it's up to you and it's up to me. The Bible said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God sent me by tonight to remind somebody he's still coming. My question to you is, are you ready? Fifty times God compels folks to be ready when it's pertaining to the coming Christ. Sister Savannah's coming. If you're here tonight, it's Sunday night. Whether you're young, whether you're old, maybe you've never been saved. Listen, the Bible said, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is holy, let him be holy still. There'll come a time when the decision-making process will be over. We compel. Brandon preaches. I preach. Brother Evan preaches. Our Sunday school teachers teach. We do our best to try to witness and tell people, warn folks about the saving grace of God. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. It's up to me. It's a personal decision. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. I don't care what you've done. God can forgive you of all you sin, but you've got to come to him by faith. The Bible still said in Psalm 51, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. You can come to God broken. Well, I'm glad he can put things back together. He can forgive you of your sin. But he said, be ready. My question to you tonight is this. If Jesus had a came five minutes ago, where would you be? Preacher, I ain't prepared. I ain't ready. If that's your response, man, you've got an opportunity right now to be saved. As we stand all over the house, let's pray. Father, I love you.
Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to pray. God, I pray that conviction would fall upon this invitation hour. God, I've done my best to empty the message of the hour. God, I know it's a deep subject. Talking about your coming, but Lord, it's basic as well. Told us over 50 times to be ready. I pray for that young person, that middle-aged folk, maybe that older person. Maybe has never been saved. Maybe they're banking on good works or good deeds. But God, with the truth of your coming right here from the pages of Scripture, I pray that folks would search their heart. There's one here tonight never been saved. God, would you deal with them? Help them to come by faith and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. God, we'll be careful. Give you thanks and praise for what you do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Hello, friends. This is Brian Poindexter, the pastor of Faith Community Baptist Church, located at 2216 Hennings Road in East Bend, North Carolina. We're so grateful to have you listening to our CD ministry that's been provided as an outreach of our church. It's our desire and focus at Faith Community Baptist Church to preach and teach the whole counsel of God to a lost and dying world, to equip the saints of God for service, and to encourage the elderly and shut-ins who cannot attend services due to physical ailments. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Sunday school for all ages, and our Sunday school hour is followed by our worship service at 11 a.m. with old-fashioned singing and preaching from the Word of God. We meet back every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our worship service, and every second Sunday night of each month, we have what's called an eat and meet service. After our 6 p.m. service, we gather in the fellowship hall for food and fellowship. On Wednesdays, we meet back at the church for our midweek worship service with choir singing and preaching again from God's holy word. Our ladies prepare a meal each Wednesday prior to our service from 5.30 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. I give you and your family a cordial invitation to be with us at any or all of our service times. Above all, you may be listening today, and maybe you've never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, that's the greatest decision anyone can ever make in this life. Too many folks prepare for vacation. They prepare for retirement. They seem to prepare for everything, but sad to say, many make no preparations for eternity. The reality is very clear. We all will leave this world someday. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You must understand that you are guilty before a holy God. Romans 3.23 said, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The prophet Isaiah said in chapter 53 and verse 6, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. You must understand that your good words, and good works and good deeds will not get you to heaven. Isaiah 64 and verse 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, Therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You must understand that you're loved. I'm thankful that in John 3 and verse 16, it said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5 and verse 8 declares, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You must understand and realize there's only one way to stand right before God. There's not many ways, there's only one. Jesus said in John 14 and verse number 6, He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, the apostles' message was very simple. There in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, they said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You might ask the question, Preacher, how can I be saved? That's what the Philippian jailer asked in Acts chapter 16 and verse 30 and 31. He asked Paul and Silas, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Romans 10, 9 said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You must ask God to save you. I can't do it. No one can do it for you. Romans 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you know you're a sinner, and if you're sorry for your sin, and you believe Jesus died for your sins, you simply have to ask Him to save you. And I say, Preacher, how can I know for sure God will hear me? Well, first of all, the Bible tells us that we must be drawn. John 6 and verse 44, Jesus said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Psalm 51 and verse 17 gives us the attitude we need to have when we come to God. It said there, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. If God draws you by conviction, if you're sorry for your sin, you repent of them. If you believe Jesus died for your sins, and if you asked him to save you, then the Bible declares you've been saved. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've been forgiven of all your sins. Romans 8, 1 declares, There is therefore now no condemnation of them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Once a person has been saved, they need to be a part of a fundamental Bible-believing church where they can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God calls us out of darkness and commands us to walk in light after we've been saved by His marvelous grace. If we can help you here at Faith Community Baptist Church in any way, feel free to contact us. If you have asked God to save you, please contact us and we will send you some free literature to help you in your newfound life in Christ. Thank you again for listening to our CD ministry that's been provided by our church here. And may God richly bless you and your family is our prayer.